Hello and welcome to the Spidey Dude Radio Network. I'm Zach Joyner, owner of the website that powers the podcast and executive producer of the Spidey Dude Radio Network. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome you to the Spectacular Spider-Man Salby Sima Era Podcast, a podcast all about Sal's run on the Spectacular Spider-Man. Before I turn it over to our host, Chris, I wanted to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Network. They help sponsor the show. Greg, Vinkman, Scott, Kaylee, and Phoenician, thank you all for your support. And if you want to get some more info, check it out at that aforementioned website at patreon.com slash network to get more perks, like getting some shows early. And we'll have more coming very, very soon. They'll get some exclusives very soon. Stay tuned for that. Finally, before I go, I want to encourage you to check out our other fine programs, Spidey Dude Experience, ASM Classics, Make Mine Mayday, Bogan Rider Variety Hour, Clone Saga Chronicles, Spectacular Radio, and Voices from the Eerie, a Gargoyles podcast. Be sure to leave feedback on the respective feeds, give us a five-star review, and leave feedback at the email address at thatradiohorror at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to this exciting episode of the show, and now, here's Chris. Watching us right now, we're going to be talking about Spectacular Spider-Man number 140. Hello, how's it going? And now I hear you have a uh, a synopsis to go over. I do. I do. Oh, I do. Oh, you do? Okay, I will let you yeah, have it. Because you, you said you weren't sure if you were going to have it or not. I surprisingly fit one in. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. 
So welcome to the Spectacular Spider-Man Salvasima Era podcast. I am Dr. Chris, your host, and joining me for this episode is the host of Goth Girl Horror, the Hackslash podcast. And it would be me, Charcy Lux. And we do th- you do that with some uh, complete and utter schmuck, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how you get anything done on that podcast. I was going to say, uh, with a lot of help from you. <laughs> no, I, that's right. I do host that with you. Uh, so so, so uh, I've only worked with Chris a little bit on, on this show. Is he an utter pain to work with? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> kind of figured. <laughs> so Charcy read the last issue, issue 139 and issue 140. So she is up to snuff on Tombstone. She yes. said that casual. Uh, fan of spider-man you said well mine's mostly because of the fact i mean i'm such a baby when it comes to the comics that i've just been reading them for the past couple of years and i've always had an interest in marvel dc because i mean i grew up with the cartoons so obviously i grew up on the old 1990s spider-man cartoons so it's always something that I should restart, but it's like, how many years of Spider-Man would I be going through? But I mean, it would be completely worth it. Thank God I came along to help you in your question. <laughs> I, 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 it's just hurtful for you to say that old 90s Spider-Man cartoon. I know, I know. It goes farther <laughs> even back, way past that. I mean, do you, are you ready to feel some pain when I say that when I read on this issue, it was originally published in July 1988. I was a year old. Oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we are talking about Spectacular Spider-Man, Volume 1, Issue 140, published July 1988. Uh, writer was Jerry Conway. Penciler and inker is Sal Busima. Colorist is Bob Sharon. Uh, letterer Rick Parker. and Editor... Jim Scallop and Glenn Herdling. Editor-in-Chief is Tom DeFalco. And the cover artist is Sal Basima. And issue 140 opens with Spider-Man checking in on Robbie after the events of the last issue. He blames himself for not getting there in time. When Robbie's family leaves, he hallucinates that Tombstone is paying him a visit and whispers in his ear something. Meanwhile, Spider-Man visits a bar for information and beats up on the barflies. When someone gets the drop on Spidey, he's shot by a mysterious assailant, saving Spider-Man's life by taking a shot at Spidey to scare him away. Spider-Man goes after the Arranger, who works for Kingpin, Wilson Fisk, who, if you're currently reading comic books, is actually the mayor of New York. Isn't that funny? (laughs) Uh, For information on Tombstone, but he won't give up the info. The Arranger is informed someone is gunning for Tombstone. Peter and MJ go to visit Robbie in the hospital, and he tells Peter to burn the tape of his confession of being complacent in Tombstone's crimes. As Peter and MJ leave, a mysterious shadow overhears the conversation. Peter gets a call for Ben. Uh, Peter gets a call at the Daily Bugle by Ben Urich to meet and discuss the tape. And when he shows up at Liberty Island as Spider-Man, he gets shot at, and he tackles the shooter to be revealed to be Frank Castle, the Punisher, to be continued crazy yes so the cover uh has spider-man in the sniper sights of the punisher in front of lady liberty it says rendezvous with death now was this uh spider-man's first uh meeting with the punisher no the punisher first appeared in spider-man i know but i i didn't know if it was never mind i have my timing mixed up yeah the punisher appeared right after the death of gwen stacy okay he was hired by the jackal to kill spider-man because the Jackal wanted to bang Gwen Stacy and Peter had been doing it. <laughs> okay, I didn't know if this uh, happened before or after. Never mind. 
No, this is 1988. The Punisher first appeared again right after the death of Gwen Stacy. Oh, wow. Didn't realize that it. was Spider-Man 129. Didn't realize it was that far ago. Yeah, so, and we're currently up to issue number 301 or 302 in, in uh, Amazing Spider-Man at this point. Wow. Charcy, have you ever read any of these spectacular Spider-Man issues? No, so this was the very first time. Oh, there's like, this is like a world of weirdness to somebody first joining this, especially with the artwork, like the way it is, um, the angles and everything like that. There are times in this spectacular Spider-Man book, it gets incredibly dark. I mean, we get like werewolves in here in a horrible dream sequence. Um, the hobgoblins transformed into a demon. Um, dead characters are crawling out of the graves in horrible ways. And then we get to a really bad touch storyline later on in the run of this with some really horrible hallucinations of uh, Peter's. I mean, it sounds right up my alley anyways, so... I think jumping into the panels after Peter and everyone leave the hospital, the hallucination of Tombstone. Uh, do either one of you think it's a hallucination or do you think Tombstone was actually visiting Robbie? According I, to him, he actually found a way to make it there. So Yeah, and that's, that's how I took it uh, as well, that he was actually there. The guy getting thrown through the window by Spider-Man um, is a prime example of just the way Stow draws people and expressions. And just the way Spider-Man just beats them all back is is amazing. And their elongated faces of being like, get him! <laughs> now, and, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, uh, I just wanted to take back a couple issues. Uh, not issues, but um, is he drawing Peter different? For some reason, Peter looks different. Uh, no, Peter's still got that same, same kind of square-headed square haircut. Okay. Yeah, for some reason, uh, he was looking different. And uh, sorry, uh, Sharice. Let's see. Oh, what I was going to say is that I just love the one-liners that Peter kind of has in this, too. So They're a lot of fun. Um, the character of the Arranger, I am not the biggest familiar with him, other than the fact that he appeared in a lot of Spider-Man books uh, whenever Spider-Man was dealing with Kingpin-related problems. Um, but the arranger, whose real name was Oswald Silkworth, I think he was on the uh, Daredevil TV series, Leo. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was on the Daredevil TV series. Well, they kind of hint at the fact that his boss has an obsession with Daredevil, so that would make sense. Yes, because I think at this time, um, Born Again had happened recently, and Daredevil finally found a way to come back. Um, and it was really bugging the Kingpin. His first appearance was in Marvel Team-Up number 138. Well, in this, it was definitely interesting seeing the fact that, you know, Spider-Man was very forward, going to threaten him. And the fact that when he gets angry and he smashes that TV, I'm like, I, I kind of like this version of Spider-Man. Well, Robbie's always been really good to Peter. He's never, ever once uh, given him the crap that Jameson would normally give him. What did you think of Robbie's origin story with um, Tombstone last, the previous issue, Charcy? Oh, with, uh, I was going to say, because I read 140 before I did 139, because I just wanted to make sure I had uh, 140 done. But yeah, I was kind of shocked by the origin story with Robbie, where it's like that whole idea of thinking of your childhood fears are like your worst fears, and that it plagued him for his whole entire life. And even in this issue, it, it he still was going to do the same thing where he, well, I mean, as we're going to talk about, is that he ends up, he keeps doing the same thing and covering for Tombstone. 
And in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon series you mentioned, this does play out in one episode. Yep. I vaguely, very vaguely remember. Because, I mean, this seemed familiar, even though I haven't read the comic. But yeah, now that you say that it was in the cartoon, that's probably why it seems familiar to me. Tombstone breaking Robbie's back didn't happen, but the uh, the origin story between him and Tombstone did happen. However, Tombstone in the cartoon was was black black, not albino black. Um and he got like chemically altered to uh, enhance his strength and stuff like that. And uh, I have to apologize. I realize I totally butchered your name. I need new glasses. Oh, perfectly <laughs> fine. Yeah, I go by uh, Charcy. <laughs> this is very much other than like the bar fight scene. This is this is pretty much a drama filled issue. There's uh, that. That's it. Spider Man in the bar fight is the one fight we get. Otherwise, it's a lot of like dialogue, if you notice, through the entire issue. I mean, there's no fight between Tombstone and the mutant that they are trying to break with his persuasion powers. By the way, talk about a pers- uh, uh, give it up for a guy who has the ability to make anybody do what he wants, and he doesn't turn out to be a rapist jackass like the Purple Man. Yeah. He, he's a good person. He does, He might, you know, push things here and there, but he's not being, he's not coming across as being like, the purple man. Yeah, I definitely found that shocking. By the way, if you go to marveldatabase.com um, for the Lonnie Lincoln Earth 616 uh, profile, they actually cut back and forth between panels of the book that we're holding, the Spectacular Spider Man animated series, and the 90s animated series versions of Tombstone. No video game mention? Not really. Instead of being a normal crime boss, this version supplies the city with the many villains that Spidey has to fight, like Sandman, Shocker, and the Rhino. Tombstone does get some love in Insomniac Spider-Man game, portraying him as a drug lord that fights Spider-Man in his own set of side missions. That I didn't quite remember, but yeah, that's true too. And of course, then he would appear in the Spider-Verse movie. Oh yeah, yep, yeah, uh, as uh, Fisk's uh, bodyguard, yep. Right. Um, this is not the first time Robbie's life has been upended due to some shenanigans with a supervillain. Um, his wife was attacked by Carnage years later, and Robbie uh, realizes that maybe he needs to move out of New York, and he quits the bugle. But that never sticks. But uh, this whole storyline with Robbie and Tombstone is going to come to fruition and play out in the comic books in uh, sometime late this month, next month. As Robbie's son, Randy, and Tombstone's daughter, the current Beetle, are dating. And I love the cover. It has Spider-Man in between. It has Robbie's daughter, uh, Robbie's son, Randy, and Tombstone's daughter uh, embracing each other in a lip lock. Spider-Man is standing up between them. And then the shadows above them, like, you know, big heads, is is Tombstone and Robbie. Dun, dun, dun. I was going to say, yeah, it sounds like a conflict. <laughs> Um, so Parker gets a phone call from a mysterious figure and he goes swinging out. I do love the way Sal draws Spider-Man swinging in the motions. You see him curling around the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I love that he had to, uh, get the help of a helicopter pilot to get over there. Yeah. <laughs> how did he manage that? That's the number one question I had. <laughs> oh, Spider-Man's got some connections and he can easily... Uh, you know, ask for a favor. Maybe he's got somebody who owes them a favor from saving their life. You know, hey, Spider-Man, whenever you need it, helicopter ride. Thanks, I'll take you up on it sometime. You know, he wasn't quite tight with the Avengers like he is nowadays, so it wasn't, you know, he couldn't just call up Cap and say, hey, I need a Quinjet ride. <laughs> uh, you know, anytime he needed to go long distance traveling, he would usually call probably the Fantastic Four. 
but he tackles the guy and it is the Punisher. We only get like the one panel really view of the Punisher, but the next couple issues we're getting it to see Sal draw the Punisher and it is pretty freaking awesome. I, I absolutely can't wait. Uh, all in all, this is a very short issue because of the you know lack of action in it. I was going to say, you get the very short-lived fight at the end here with uh, Punisher. But yeah, and then like you said, the bar scene. Now the ads in this issue, which I always love pointing out, we have apple sticks and uh, flavored uh, candy with the Mad Magazine uh, Mar- uh, D. Martin uh, artist drawing it, which I think is kind of hilarious. Uh, info comics, some type of video game. And a preview for the upcoming uh, multi-book crossover annual event, The Evolutionary War, which, Leo, you are more than happy to uh, cover on the main show. Let me tell you, it is a rather boring story. I only (laughs) want to cover the one annual that deals with the spider clones. Okay, we can do that. (laughs) There's an advertisement in here for New England Comics, which is in Brockton, Massachusetts, and still located in Brockton, Massachusetts. Um, We got some ads in here. If you want to gain some muscles in seven days, Charcy, you can just, you know, call this phone number and they'll pump you up. I'm pretty good where I'm at. (laughs) There's ads in here for for fake lips and, uh, you know, psychic readings and uh, muscles, I guess. (laughs) Wow, that's kind of a difference there. (laughs) Uh, Wizards and Warriors have an ad. And the one thing I want to really point out is that this was, um, at the time on NBC, airing with Lou Ferrigno was the the return of the Incredible Hulk for the first time ever, the Incredible Hulk would fight Thor. I remember that. Yep. The I... Hulk had been off the air since, I think, what, 1981 or 82. So six years later, they brought him back in a made for a series of made-for-TV movies, and this was the first one. Uh, Justin says, uh, Tombstone is brutal and such a great villain. Um, then in the back of the issue during the letters page, we have the Salkrups section and he talks about um, all of, I think, yes, he's talking about all of the previous appearances of the Punisher and where you can find them in Marvel Tales. Marvel Tales was the reprint issues that they would do. Back in the, <coughs> back in the day, they would reprint old issues of Spider-Man with new covers. And Amazing Spider-Man 129, 134, 135 were the first appearances of the P- Punisher. Giant Size Spider-Man number four. Issues 161 and 162, guest star Nightcrawler, and that also had the Punisher. 174, 175 had the Punisher and his uh, main arch nemesis, Jigsaw, um, who was on the Daredevil uh, Punisher TV series in his uh, origin before we really get him. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 201 and 202. Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 15, where Peter um, has to save the Punisher's life from a uh, poison. And Spectacular Spider-Man 81, 82, 83, which led into the Punisher's first um, five-issue miniseries by Mike Zeck. I need to find a way to get the uh, the comic ads. The co- the issues I have don't have them. I, uh, That's fine. I, I, the, uh, I, really I miss seeing them. <laughs> the uh, early appearances of the Punisher, if you can find a copy of it, the Essential Punisher Volume 1 reprints all his early appearances and the five-issue miniseries. Um, that prelude, you know, that was his uh, first, you know, own series, which uh, was really cool. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed that series. Uh, the Punisher got uh, poisoned uh, again and started hallucinating and accidentally killed a uh, innocent person. I think. Ooh, yeah, that's never good. Uh, also involved Silvermane and Cloak and Dagger. 
uh, really good stuff um, if you're a Punisher fan. We, of course, five seconds and then people have kind of stopped caring about the cosmic ghost rider aka that version of the punisher um if you want to read a really good punisher story read garth ennis's welcome back frank to uh take take a step back what we were talking about earlier about the uh his symbol you know i I think it would be smart for disney to uh to lay low on punisher for a while you know it's i think it's crazy to boycott it but you know you definitely ruffle a lot of people's feathers and uh you know, just lay low for a while and, you know, bring it back in a, about a year. On the Spider-Man animated series, the Punisher was on that show, but he wore like a green costume, not black for whatever reason. 
and uh, Microchip, his uh, sidekick, was constantly saying, can, can we use, like, non-lethal meth- methods, Frank? And he's like, okay, just this one time because of this episode, because it's a kid's cartoon. I won't kill this person. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when they had Carnage on, R- Robbie Robinson says, Cletus Cassidy, when he was just the serial killer, not yet the, you know, Carnage, Cletus uh, Cassidy has done things that even the Washington Post won't print. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and then you just see Carter just slamming people around. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Where you take them out of their normal element. Right. Which, you know, you go back to the very first appearance of Carnage and Spider-Man finds written on the wall, Carnage rules. And he realizes that it's not written in the guard's blood because he never touched the guard. It's written in its own blood on the wall. Ooh, <laughs> wow. Well, that's dedication. <laughs> yeah, which I'm like waiting for Woody Harrelson to like just cut his wrist open and smear on the wall, you know, Brock sucks or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we may get it. Yeah. Uh, there's a documentary, by the way, uh, Keeping Alive with the Punisher, not to get too off topic. Uh, there's a guy trying to work on a documentary about the Punisher movie starring Dolph Lundgren, which, honestly, you rewatch that movie. That movie holds up, I think. Other than the fact he doesn't have the skull in his chest and Thomas Jane and Ray Stevenson did um, and the guy in the TV series, I think the Dolph Lundgren movie definitely holds up. I like the music. I like the idea of it. If you read the graphic novel adaptation of the movie, he does spray paint the skull onto his bulletproof vest when he goes in to save the mobster's son's life. The uh, the second one was pretty good also. Uh, and Justin says it, it could have been Galactus, but he made a deal with Mephisto. Yes, who's going to be uh, played by uh, Peter Fonda or Henry Fonda coming up on the next episode of WandaVision. Spoilers right here, people. What? Hey, 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 don't. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I think both of them are dead anyway, so. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, you almost you almost caused a riot there, Chris. <laughs> you want to hear what my, what I think is going to happen on uh, Falcon Winter Soldier? Sure. Okay, so on Falcon Winter Soldier, I think the real villain is going to be revealed to be behind all of the shenanigans of whatever the plot line is involving uh, the Flag Smasher people and Zemo's people, which I think are the same terrorist organization. I think what they're going to reveal is, in fact, the Red Skull has returned in a clone body of Steve Rogers... And the Black Widow has taken his place on Mordor. Why do I say this? Because that's what happened in the comic book. Ooh. So it could Captain be a possibility. Captain America had to give up being... Steve had to give up being Captain America because the government said to him, Mr. Rogers, Captain Rogers, you do not own Captain America. We do. So you have two choices. You either comply or you give up your shield. And Steve was like, okay, I give up the shield. I'm not doing whatever your stupid crap is you want me to do. So they found another blonde hair, blue eye poster child named John Walker to soup up with Super Soldier Serum and become the new Captain America. But he ended up turning into a psychopath. And by the way, the whole plot line of getting Steve to do something that wasn't quite ethical and American uh, was orchestrated by, revealed to be the Red Skull uh, alive and well in a clone body of Steve Rogers. Hmm. That's crazy. Now, I know there's some differences in this. If you saw Endgame, you know what happened to Steve Rogers. We're not going to spoil it. If you haven't seen it, the movie's two years old, so you should have seen it by now. And they will go into it most likely in the first episode of Falcon Winter Soldier, at least some point. But I think that could be a possibility. Who knows? So, Well, uh, I thought, didn't they say Chris Evans is coming back to play Cap? Couldn't he? Wouldn't that be a big twist if it's revealed he is the cloned Red Skull? That would and be push that. Yeah, that would hey, be. Here's this. How about this. They backdoor in the they backdoor in a way for Steve to come back and be young again 
by him dying and the Red Skull kidnapping him on some future Marvel project, giving him a blood transfusion, and him, you know, renewing his super chiseled Chris Evans body into his young self. Am I, do you think I'm going way too far off? <laughs> I, I, I think you're going way too far off. I think more realistically, it's probably going to be a uh, uh, a cap in like the 40s or 30s. You know, him during that time frame, it'll probably be like a Disney uh, plus. War and issue 149 featuring the uh, return of Carrion. Thank you, Charcy, for joining us. Thank you for having me on the show. Very cool. Well, uh, we'll catch you guys later. Bye. Have a good one.